Good morning, everybody. It's your host, Mike Petchy. How are you? Just checking in with you from the East Coast. Um, it's been a, a fun, crazy week. Uh, I have uh, been out, for those of you who don't know, I have taken off the end, well, I guess this is a taking off, of the end of uh, August to uh, come here to the East Coast. I went uh, to a friend's bachelor party. I went uh, to visit my friend uh, Kruda in uh, Brooklyn and uh, came back to my hometown, uh, Boston, and I haven't been here in, oh, geez, almost four years. Um, so it's been a blast. How are you? What's happening? How's your summer? How's your August? Um, let's see, what's going on with me? So last time we checked in, I think I was telling you that I was in Brooklyn. Um, <laughs> it was kind of a short check-in because uh, I was riding in the car with Kruda and he was rolling his eyes and going like, oh my God, you're podcasting. <laughs> um, but uh, look, man, I absolutely love the East Coast still. I really do. And it's been so long since I've been here. Um, and, uh, you know, as soon as I got off the plane at, where was it, JFK? Um, I remember I just like breathed the air. And I know, <laughs> I know I'm breathing in like New York City air, but man, it just tasted different. It just smelled different. It just felt different. Oh, and the further that I get outside the city out here on the East Coast, the more I realize like how bad the air quality is in California. You just don't realize it until you start inhaling like good, fresh air. <laughs> I don't know if you guys, if you uh, Angelinos understand what I'm talking about when you go back home to visit your parents or you leave the state and uh, for some reason you just are, are like vividly aware of how different the air feels in other places. Um, let's see. So was, was hanging out in Brooklyn, had to prep to do this big bachelor party, ended up going up to, uh, Northern, um, New York for that. We went up and stayed, uh, almost at the Catskills in this massive house. It was nine guys. So we stayed in a 10 bedroom house, um, out in the middle of nowhere. I think like the closest neighbor was 15 minutes away or 10 minutes away. It was nuts. Um, by the way, it was so weird. People that do these like just buy houses for Airbnb and like sort of decorate or flip houses for that, they're fucking weird. It's a very strange business. We stay in this house. I felt like it was decorated by like one of those like house flipping shows from TLC. I'm not kidding. There were there were like walls that went no, like would cover up sections of the house that went nowhere, or you'd look through windows that were just enclosed with, by walls. They had you know uh, stuffed taxidermy, and I don't mean like taxidermy. I mean like stuffed animals heads that were supposed to be taxidermy hanging around, uh, like a whole room filled with uh, cookie jars. Very weird place. Very strangely decorated. And then every room had like walls covered with books. And it was like they went and bought out an old bookstore uh, because they, there was no rhyme or reason to the, to the volumes. And they had all the volumes. So if you wanted to go read uh, any of the old 
Star Wars books, they had all of that. Or if you wanted to go read, you know, the Dune books, they were on the shelf, or like these weird romantic books, or like books on anatomy. It was super strange. It was like this... One would think that if it was someone reading these books, it would be interesting, but they all still had the same colored price tag sticker on them. So obviously, they just went and bought them all for wall coverage. Um, let's see. I did an ass load of cooking. If you guys have been following me on Instagram at Mike Petchy or at the podcast In Love With The Process Pod on Instagram, you have uh, seen my posts. I was tasked with cooking for the guys, um, which I took on, really. I thought I really enjoyed that. Um, so we smoked, we grilled, we uh, actually had a pizza oven. We did one of those like little gas-powered pizza ovens, which was fun. Um, and what did we make? I did all sorts of strange shit. I had a gift certificate to a uh, wild game website. Uh, and so I ended up being able to buy some meats that I had never tried before the way that we tried them. Um, hold on here. I'm just checking my phone to make sure. Yes. Are you still recording? Yeah, there you go. Um, so I got some, uh, bison tomahawk steaks, which were awesome. Smoked, reverse seared those, uh, which came out beautifully. We did those with some traditional beef uh, ribeyes. Uh, and if you guys don't know the process of that, it's you toss them on the smoker, you run the smoker at about 250. Uh, I was smoking applewood and uh, you toss the steaks on there. You get them thick. You try to get them like two inches thick and it, it, at least an inch and a half, but probably about two inches is the best. Uh, you throw a little thermostat in them, you toss them on the smoker, 250. Uh, for about 40 minutes, about that time, checking the thermostat really, because you want to get them to about 100 degrees internal, because you don't want to cook them all the way. Um, you just want to infuse as much smoke as you can into them. Um, and then you reverse sear them. You take, I, like, I like to take uh, cast iron and toss it on like a hot flame. You can just do it straight on the flame if you want, but if you do the cast iron, you can toss in some butter, you can toss in some garlic, you can toss in some rosemary, um, and you just get like that sear crust on them. And then on a cast iron, they're on there for, uh, I don't know, maybe two to four minutes per side. Um, I ended up pulling mine off too early, uh, so I had to throw them back on. So... You just get those up to whatever sort of doneness that you like. Um, and then I think like medium rare is like, what, 130? Something like that. Something like that. Um, <clears throat> those came out awesome. Check my Instagram. You'll see the pictures of them. And first time I've had bison, because I had had bison and ground. So like, you know, I'm sure most of you have had like bison burgers. You've been to some you know, chain pub somewhere or some chain bar. And they're like, we've got bison burgers. You really can't taste the difference once you've, you know, loaded that burger up with whatever the fuck you put on it, you know? Um, so the difference, just to have the side-by-side -side comparison, bison was a bit more um, less fatty. So it was a bit more lean and it was sweet. It was like sweeter. 
I think it's the way I would describe it. Um, I enjoyed it. I really did. I, I still think, you know, the beef uh, ribeyes are the best for smoking because they still have all like that fat, really those trails of fat that run through it. And I think that fat absorbs the smoke better too than the actual meat does. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. But I think that, I feel that way, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the beef ones just tend to be a little bit more succulent because of all that fat. But the ribeye was really nice, really fucking nice. Um, so, or the tomahawks, the bison tomahawks were really nice. So we did those. I also did uh, ground yak. Yeah, yak. You know, the big old hairy four-legged creature that feels like uh, like a tauntaun from fucking Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, we ate that fucking thing. Um, we made uh, sliders, yak sliders. And uh, I was hanging out with my buddy Greg Tango, who is a flash from the past. Uh, Tango was, uh, was a gaffer for me for a bunch of uh, the Dale Strong pieces. He also... Uh, was our key dolly grip on on 12km. I hadn't seen Tango in a while, probably like five years. So him and I really connected. Um, And uh, when I made those yak sliders, I remember because Tango's also in my barbecue text group, you know, my private little group that I've had for years. Um, And so we bit into it and our eyes lit up and we were like, holy fuck, Um, yak is really good. I mean, sure, it tastes a bit like beef, but also a bit like turkey. And I guess the only way to describe it, he did a good job describing it, which was bright. It tastes bright. Um, really interesting. Uh, I highly suggest trying out these different cuts of meat. You can find a lot of, and I'm not sponsored by any of these guys, but you can find a lot of really great wild game uh, butchers online. Um, and if you're looking to experiment, if you're looking to change some of your tastes, um, definitely check them out. I know this website had like, obviously it had like alligator, it had like snake, it had all that stuff, but you could find some strange stuff online if you really want to try it out. And I know at first you're like, yak, oh, why is it that we, whenever we think about that stuff, we just think that someone's going to ship us this big hairy creature with like hooves, you know, and you're like, ah, I don't want to eat that, right? No, it's it's all prepared the same way it would be in the grocery store. Um, and if you get a lot of wild game stuff, from what I've read, it, it makes the the meat looks redder just because their blood cells are bigger, but it's not like bloody, you know. It's not like you're fucking, you know, Mike Myers and you're reaching in there and pulling out this bloody mess. <laughs> Why do we think about that shit? You know, it's weird. Um, but I would definitely try it, man. We did, yeah, we did those, which were great. I also did some, uh, you know, some of the, the hits. I did the smoke wings, came out really nice. I did some ribs, which were great. Um, we also smoked oxtail. Oxtail is incredibly decadent, like incredibly decadent. It's almost like... It's almost like shredded beef with like bone marrow. Really wild. Um, and then we did all sorts of really great stuff. Uh, 
we had uh, fresh potato salads, roasted potatoes, um, like white trash mac and cheese, uh, all sorts of good stuff. I'll tell you this, man. Between that and going on like uh, we did like a – it wasn't a bar safari. It was more of a, a brewery uh, tour. So we ended up going to like Elysium up in uh, – Upstate New York uh, and a few others. Fuck, I have put on so much weight. I feel it. I feel like, I feel like Jabba. I feel like I should hire a few people to carry me around on a fucking dais at this point. <laughs> you know, and you're I'm on vacation, so I, you know it's good. I'm having a good time. But you ever notice like you you just sort of go off the rails and you're like, should I stop? And I'm like, no, I'm on vacation. I'm just going to be this fat fucking slob when I get back. Um, so, yeah, we did that, which was fun. And then I ended up uh, dr- driving back to or getting a ride back to Boston from upstate New York and um, stayed back in my old stomping grounds. I love Boston. It was just voted like one of the best places in the country to live, which is nuts. Um, I don't get it, but, uh, it's so fucking expensive there now. That city has like yuppified and you drive through it and it's just one condo, uh, unit after another, like these huge condo developments are going up there and that city isn't really built. At least, uh, the roadways aren't built for that many people structurally. Uh, and so the traffic was just insane. It was insane. I was there early in the week, so it wasn't even during the weekend. And and not all the kids are back to school yet either. If you guys are on the East Coast, and you know what I'm talking about. Holy shit. You know, it took me like 20 minutes to go a half a mile. It's nuts. I do not miss that shit. You want to talk about road rage and why there's so much road rage in that city. Oh, my God, man. It's like they built these roads for horses and buggies, and now they're cramming millions of people on them. It's nuts. I think that it's overdevelopment, man. It's really nuts. Um, it's a great place to live, or was a great place to live. You know, and the resources are great, and the healthcare. Even if you end up getting like uh, the state healthcare there, the healthcare is better than it is in California. I'll say that. Um, but fuck. They're cramming so many people. And the uh, rent is insane there. The prices for renting places and stuff, it's nuts. Um, But uh, it was fun to be back. We stayed in a new hotel back in our old neighborhood. We were in like Watertown. Stayed in a new hotel and um, went and hit all of our favorite places. Gina and I spent a couple days there and we went and uh, we went to Italy um, I have to say that Italy and Boston by far is the best one that I've been to. I haven't been to all of them in New York City, but the Italy in L.A. sucks. <laughs> I don't know what it is, man. The Italy in L.A. is the worst. Um, uh, but the one in Boston is really great. They have really good pastas. They have an awesome, uh, awesome restaurant on the roof. <laughs> Excuse me. God. Hold on. I get some water. <laughs> they have an awesome restaurant on the roof, uh, Terra. Oh, it's so dry. <clears throat> and um, 
It was a lot of fun to be there. We did that. Um, I hit up my favorite bar. One of my favorite bars in the country, Bukowski's. If you're down um, in that area, like right at the edge of uh, Newbury Street, Boylston Street, uh, I guess that's Copley. Right? Is that Copley? Uh, it's a, a very small little bar called Bukowski's, painted red. It's literally like hanging over the highway. And it's this little shotgun bar. And I absolutely love that place. It's beers only. There's actually like a mug club there. So like if you are a beer nut, and I guess you should, <laughs> you probably would have to live there to do this. But if you drink all the beers on the menu, then you get your own uh, mug that gets to hang from the ceiling. And I guess, you know, you could fill the mug with anything for some price after that. Um, I've never done it. It's like a $3,000 investment to get through all that. Um, but I love that bar. Uh, and, you know, I did see some of my stickers kicking around, you know, for the show. Um, so we did that. What else did we do? Uh, we did Charlie's Kitchen. Charlie's Kitchen in uh, Harvard Square. Another great bar. I got to hang out with my buddy Jarvis. If you guys go all the way back to season one of the show, like I think he's in the first 30 episodes, uh, Anthony Jarvis, uh, he's a uh, director of photography. Um, He shot the Kill Switch Always video. Uh, Such a good friend, a guy I haven't seen in so fucking long. Um, He does a lot of stuff for Hasbro, believe it or not. and I loved hanging out with him. I laughed so fucking hard. <laughs> I laughed so fucking hard. It was so great to see him. Uh, I'm going to try to get him to come out to L.A. Um, so, yeah, we did that. And then uh, uh, hit a couple of other places. It was a lot of fun. Gina and I had a blast. And then um, I'm checking in with you on Friday. She had to go up to her friend's wedding. She went up north to Vermont. And uh, I have a movie pitch that I have to do on vacation. So I have a movie pitch um, to do in a few days. And I came down to the Cape to see my family, uh, see my brother and do this pitch. So I'm just preparing for that. And so uh, I'm pretty much day one, I guess, on the Cape for the next week or so. I'm excited. Got to hit the fucking beaches. Um... We're planning uh, a big uh, crawfish boil. See what I mean? Eating way too fucking much. Uh, Going to do a big crawfish boil on Sunday, which is going to be great. And I get to catch up with the family. Get to see my uncle Paul Caldera, who, if you guys are fans of the work, he was in the Meshuggah video. He played the demon in the Meshuggah video. And um, he was in 12KM at the end so yeah you uh not only got to see him but his uh but his penis as well (laughs) in that movie um so i'll be hanging out with him maybe i'll try to get him on on uh, the phone do you guys want to hear from him um let's see what else going on so i'm pumped get to hang out with my dad we're gonna do a big meal with him next week i'm telling you i don't have a scale guys but i have this new layer of fat and I've, I'm enjoying putting it there. It's very expensive. It's very expensive fat. That is this fat inner tube that is running around my gut right now. 
Um, oh, you know, the other thing, and I don't know if I talked about it. Maybe I just glazed on it when I checked in with you guys last time. When I was in Brooklyn, I had such a great experience um, in a bar. And it did a couple things for me. One, it reminded me of how much I love the honesty that most East Coasters have. That was the first. Two, it reminded me um, that a lot of this crazy, insane stress and anxiety that we're feeling socially through Instagram isn't the way most of the country feels or through social media is not the way the country feels. Um, And I feel this pretty heavily. The contrast between going to bars in Los Angeles and the contrast to going to bars on the East Coast is pretty fucking huge. Um, And take it from a guy who has been to thousands and thousands of bars on multiple bar safaris, I spend time talking to people. Uh, So let me set up the story here before I let you guys go. Uh, Kruda, Kruda and I were walking through Brooklyn and we needed to pick up uh, meats and foods for a big barbecue. And uh, we went to like my favorite butcher. I can't remember the name of them right now, but uh, this butcher in Brooklyn that has like any kind of sausage you could ever think of, any kind of animal, amazing cuts of meats, amazing cheeses. And so I was having a very big smile, big eyed morning, you know, going through this place. Uh, we ended up picking up like six pounds of sausages for everybody that we were going to smoke. <clears throat> and we're walking back and in the beautiful New York fashion, walking back uh, on blocks of stuff to do, like on foot, you can go and see amazing stores, amazing bodegas, amazing little shops. And we walked by this great bar that wasn't open yet. And he was like, hey, man, I'll buy you a beer. You want to get a beer? I said, yes. So we sat down on the chairs outside the place, uh, waiting for it to open. And we started to talk about our menu. We started to talk about the food that we were going to cook over the weekend, right? Um, And we get lost in this. You know, when you have a really great friend, someone that you're talking to, and you guys are very excited about being together, you're very excited about doing stuff, you just get lost in the moment. Right, and we started to chat, and uh, this young woman comes in. She was going to open the bar. She's going to be the bartender for the morning. This is like eleven a.m. Okay, so she comes up, and she's like, "Oh, wow, you guys are here. Yeah, I, you can come on in. You know, I'm sorry, I'm running a little late." And we were like, "No big deal, man. It was like a fucking Monday or Tuesday. We're like, no big deal. It's Tuesday at eleven a.m. We don't expect this place to be up and running." So we go inside, sit at the bar, order a pilsner right trying to play a light (laughs) i order a pilsner and uh we start talking about our menus and we start talking about like all right so if we're smoking this and that what is the timing for the stuff in the smoker uh what kind of sides should we have you know if we're gonna do bison what goes good with bison if we're gonna do like this fatty material maybe we should do some like citrusy or some sort of acidic salad to go with that and we're just chatting now, we're just completely focused on this shit. And in our periphery, like if I look back on it, I, people were sort of filtering in and sitting around us. There was like an older couple that sat to my left, you know, and by older, I mean probably in their like late 50s, early 60s. And then there were a couple younger dudes, you know, maybe in their mid 30s 
that sort of sat on the other side, you know, tatted up, you know, very Brooklynized. And then um, we're just chatting, right? And I've got my <laughs> six pounds of sausages sitting on a bag on the bar. At some point during our conversation, the bartender comes over and she sort of sticks her head between the two of us and says, listen, guys, I just want to say, anytime you want to come in here and talk the way you're talking, please do, because I am enjoying listening to you guys talk about food. And it sort of broke the spell for us, because we were both like, you know, like two lovers staring at each other, you know. We sort of looked around and we noticed that everybody in the bar, I mean, the what it was like eight, nine people that were sitting at the bar, all were looking at us intently, you know, drooling, you know, head in hand, sort of leaning in and listening to our, <laughs> our menu. And so, you know, me, I used to sort of take a moment and go, oh, all right, well, hello, everybody, you know, welcome, you know, welcome to the show. <laughs> And uh, the bartender goes, you want me to uh, put those sausages in the fridge back here? And I go, sure, all right. And so she takes them. It was, it was funny to watch. She takes this bag and she tries to cram it into the beer fridge. <laughs> and she turns around and she goes, look, I got to be honest with you. If I hand that bag back and it's a little bit lighter, it was intentional. And I was like, uh-huh. And then the guy next to me, the 60-year-old guy, he just goes, yeah, I'll take one of those. And I'll go, yeah, and you'll get fucking sick because they're not cooked. And uh, he just laughed. And I was like, oh. And you know when you're, I know Lance knows this if he's listening. When you start to say something like that, you're testing the waters. You're testing to see if someone's going to react the right way. And that's a very, that's a purely East Coast thing, I feel like, right? Well, you have this moment where you can say something that's slightly snarky, might be offensive to somebody. Sure as shit would be offensive to someone in California if I said it that way. Um, but what you're doing is you're testing the waters. And, and you're, you're, you're not testing the waters to see how negative you can be with this person. You're testing the waters to see how open this person will be with their emotions. And I think that's the best way to describe it. You know, you hear a lot of comedians talk about this. It's called like giving shit to people, right? I'm just, I'm just giving you shit, right? Well, what you're doing, if you break that down and look at that, what that person's attempting to do most of the time, unless they're a fucking asshole, but most of the time, um, you're just trying to break past that facade, you know, that, emo- that, that manicured emotional facade that everybody puts on especially in a time period where everything is done through text or everything is done non-emotionally, right? How many young people do you know that will write a text to somebody eight times before they physically send it? They will manicure, I shouldn't put a period on this because if I put a period on this, then that sounds like I'm upset or I shouldn't capitalize this or I shouldn't do that. And what is the correct emoji? Do I do a fucking eggplant with fucking tears coming out of it i don't know that means that i'm fucking horny right so like all of that shit goes into just the simplest forms of communication and so when you see these folks in a bar you see these folks in public and their faces are buried in their phone and they're loaded with anxiety and worried as to what 
Uh, the other person is going to think about a lowercase fucking state sentence with no punctuation, right? And that gets sent around. It just becomes boring. And so the exchange that you have with most people that way is fucking boring. And then when you're talking about stuff, it is usually shit that is like whatever's on the top of their fucking feed, right? How do you feel about this sort of political thing? Or how do you feel about blah, 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 right? And this is how people are defining themselves. They're, they're defining themselves by what they're fed and what they're taking in. And so, I don't know. I learned this from living out here. I learned this from working on jobs and on crews with people that come off crass at first. But I would say this. If you're interacting with somebody on the East Coast, let's say you come to the East Coast and you're in a place and someone's sitting next to you and they're a bit abrupt and they're saying something that is just, I don't know, maybe shocking, they're looking for a reaction from you, an honest reaction from you. And if you were sitting next to them and you turned to them and went, oh, the ball's on you to fucking say something like that, then I would in that situation go, <laughs> all right. Yeah, you're right. The ball's on me for that. Because now what I'm seeing is a true response, a true emotional response from you. Something that feels real. And oftentimes it isn't just in the voice, in the tone of voice. It's in the way the face reacts, and in the way their, their eyes light up, in the way that you sort of just trigger the honest person that's in there. Um, and what, what that does, what does that do? That makes the conversation uh, it sort of fast forwards the conversation. I don't know, maybe three hours. Fast forwards the conversation, maybe fucking two years from that. However long it takes you to meet someone for the first time and sort of break those walls down, right? You do it the polite way, I guess. Eh, I don't want to use that term. You do it the traditional or the current way. There you go. You do it the current way. It may take you fucking months, right? Especially if you're on the West Coast and you get the whole like, oh, we should totally hang out. That would be so great. And then you never fucking hear from that person again, right? You just sort of cut through all that shit, right? So I say that to the guy like, oh, you'll get fucking sick, right? And the guy looks at me and goes, oh, yeah. You know, and I'm like, fuck, all right, cool. This guy's the shit because he took that well. And as we started to talk in the bar, the guy across the way, he was like, well, where are you from? And I was, I was like, what do you mean, where am I from? He goes, you're not from here, right? And I'm like, no. And he goes, uh, where are you from? I go, L.A. And he goes, ah. And I said L.A. intentionally, right? Because I know what his response is going to be. Ah, fucking L.A. Fuck L.A. And I go, yeah, right? And he goes, huh? And I go, yeah, no, I'm from Boston initially. I just live in L.A. right now. And I was like, L.A.'s got a lot of good shit going for it. And he goes, no, no, it doesn't. And I'm like, yeah, no, the food there is fucking amazing. And I start talking about the food and he goes, oh, no shit. <laughs> See? Oh, no shit. Now you got him. And now you're talking about stuff. It was so much fun. I sat in this bar. I started to talk like Cruda uh, had to take a phone call. So he stepped out. I started to talk to nine strangers. And this went on for about, I don't know, 35 minutes. I became so close with these people. I learned that during the pandemic, in this neighborhood, uh, they had a deal with some of the bars in this neighborhood. Now, they weren't allowed to serve people. So what they would do is they would come in their bars. They weren't allowed to serve people. So they would come out onto the street and sit in chairs outside, and they'd bring them drinks. But they only had a limited amount of chairs, so they would end up sitting next to strangers, regulars. 
And so they started to become very close with these strangers. And I'm talking in fucking like January, okay? So they're out there wrapped in blankets in the freezing cold, having beers together on these seats on the sidewalk and getting to know randos, right? Really fucking cool, becoming very close with them. And by the time I finished this conversation, we were all laughing. It was like fucking noon on a Tuesday. We were all laughing hysterically. We were all having a great fucking time, you know? And uh, uh, Dave came back in. He's like, dude, we got to go. We got more shit to do. I'm like, ah. And everybody was like, ah, you know? (laughs) And I remember I just was walking out of there and everybody goes, well, have fucking fun back in California, blah, blah, blah. And I just turned to everybody before I left the place and I go, ladies and gentlemen, go fuck yourselves. And everybody goes, oh, go fuck yourselves. And the fucking door closes and we step out. I was beaming. Beaming. It was so wonderful. It was such a great fucking experience. I highly, highly, highly suggested. East Coast bars just feel different. And if you're smart in those places and if you're not scared and if you're not, you know, internalizing everything and you're not looking around at these people going like, "Mm, these people are mean and they're scary and... No, dude, you're just open and honest and you're willing to be honest about something. You're willing to have opinion about something, but it's not like bullheaded opinion right? Like I walked out of that bar learning something new. I didn't walk into that bar to teach people anything. I walked out of there learning something from these folks and I had an enriching bar experience the kind of thing that you see on Cheers. You know what I mean? Like you watch the old school Cheers TV show and you go, Norm! And everybody sort of does their thing. That literally happened. And the only reason it happened was because when that guy made a comment next to me, instead of just sort of turning away going like, oh, mind your business, and not like in exchanging with him, I just called him out on it. Think about that next time you go to the bar. Think about that next time you engage with anybody. It's okay. It's all right. And we didn't sit around and judge people or cancel people or talk about shit. Like all these folks were just excited to meet and communicate with someone new. Remember what that's like? And if you haven't had that experience yet, I highly suggest it. Anytime you hear me talk about bar safaris, that is the fucking point. The point is not to go into different bars, be on your phone and drink the beer. That is not the point. The point is to go in and meet the people. You meet the people, you become enriched, and you're not going to meet them to further your career. You're not going to meet them to get a job offer. Maybe that'll happen. You never fucking know. But uh, you're in there to just talk to people. And through the process of talking to people that way, it reminds you, that a lot of the stuff that we think is so fucking important, a lot of the stuff that we are just sort of driven by anxiety and a lot of the stuff that we're fucking told about how people are actually thinking is not true. And you hang out in the space and who the fuck knows what their background was and I bet, I guarantee you, it was mixed religious backgrounds. I guarantee you it was mixed political backgrounds. But no one was like, are you a leftist? Are you? No, no one gave a fuck. And that was nice. So anyway, that's my check-in. Hope you guys are doing great. I'll try to do another check-in next week. Um, And uh, a lot of great episodes. How would you guys like this week's episode? If you haven't heard it yet, 
Um, definitely go check it out. I sit down with the producer of American Vigilante. Uh, she's the producer. She's the host. Uh, and we talk about one of the most controversial um, uh, crime, true crime podcasts out there. Uh, whether or not this man named KC, who claimed to be a murderous vigilante, uh, is telling the truth. Um, and uh, I love that podcast. That's why I hunted her down to get her on the show. Um, and man, I'm, I'm happy I did. So if you haven't heard that episode yet, definitely check it out. It came out on Tuesday. Um, I've got an, a bunch of really great episodes on the way. I just sat down and interviewed some really fascinating people before I left California. So they're all queued up ready to rock. So thank you everybody for listening to the show and tell your friends, you know, and if you like what you're hearing, send me a note on Instagram, send me a message on Instagram and, uh, you know, tell me I'm good. Tell me I'm a five-star man. Tell me I'm a five-star man. You know what I mean? (laughs) All right, everybody. I love you. Thanks for listening.